When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 49 Unbeaten, the official Arsenal Babble podcast. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. We've got a very special episode today, uh, joined as usual by Ben. And we have got a special guest, Eduardo Hagen. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for the invitation. It's a, it's a true pleasure to be here. No, that's cool, man. That's cool, man. Uh, do you just want to kind of explain a bit to our audience? I'm sure everyone knows by now, but just to explain a little bit about what you do and uh, kind of what your ambitions are for the future. Well, yeah. Then first of all, I I report news on Twitter. I share the news. I try to be there in the first minute. So, yeah, I'm one of the biggest Arsenal fans, at least in my view. I love I love Arsenal, and whatever I do on Twitter, it's for the love of my club and for the love of the Arsenal family as well. Like I love being able to speak to so many people, you included, right now. So, yeah, my ambitions are to. I wouldn't say to be the next Ornstein because I want to be myself, but to be one of the best journalists in the game and cover Arsenal if possible. I respect that, man. I respect that. Um, obviously, you've had a you've had a busy couple of days. Well, with I think every football fan's kind of been on the edge of their seats with the the potential news of this new breakaway European Super League, and you you've just kind of been crazy all over the place reporting on the Florentino Perez press conferences reporting all the breaking news you've got some some love from some some big names including the likes of like Ian Wright um I saw noticed you as well so Naz uh, great to have you on man and just kind of linking into that um the the European Super League like it came and went in the space of 48 hours Ben Ben just kind of to start off man like we did the podcast and we did some episodes talking about um what we thought of it in the moments and we had a massive kind of rant on a previous episode but Ben what did you what did you kind of make of it now that it seems to have settled out and Arsenal have announced that they pulled out of it? It's 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 the same, really. It just feels like a betrayal of the fans 
you know, we didn't get any consultation. There was no communication for two days. It was just sort of a, uh, well, it was UK time. It was like 11 o'clock. We're joining the Super League. And then it was five to 11, two days later with nothing in between that was like, we're leaving the Super League. And it just felt, it just felt like, I don't know. It was a terribly thought, thought through plan. And I was saying this before we came on out. I wouldn't have minded so much. Like, I hate the idea of a Super League, but I could be more understanding if Arsenal were more like Chelsea and Manchester City and jumped on in fear of being left behind. But by all the reports, we sound like we're up there with the Glazers and trying to make it happen. And it just feels like to be so out of touch with a fan base, especially one that has historically done so much for its community, like Arsenal, is just... It's just it's just disgraceful, isn't it? Really, it's cowardly as well. Yeah, especially to the news to be broken at what midnight on the on on what was it? I think it was the eighteenth of um, April, just the midnight. And it's <laughs> like, so many fans would wake up the next morning seeing Twitter's gone into meltdown. Like I think football Twitter hit its all time high of just like chaos on that night. But um, Eduardo, what was your kind of views when you first heard of the the Super League, and what what was your kind of opinions on like were you for it, were you against it? Well, before I I thought to myself, well, this is a coward move by the owner, but if it's inevitable to happen, I don't want my club to fall behind and be and basically whatever whoever didn't go there was gonna end up being the next Nuts Forest or something like that. So you have to you have to in that way I see why they did it, but for me the overall package was prepared wrong. The, the fact that they didn't ask the players, the, the people, the whole community about it. For me, it was it could have some type of good things to it. But I think overall, it's just a horrible project in the end. I think, well, the biggest thing for me that shocked me was the fact that news broke about uh, 24 hours after the announcement that Mikel Arteta and the first team squad found out at the same time the fans did. So for... The, the players and the manager who would be, excuse me, taking part in that league, I put a tweet out saying, like, they these players and the manager are effect, effectively now, like, the puppets for the men in suits to, like, play the game and do all the dirty work for them. And I was just like, it, it doesn't seem right. And especially, like, to get these people on side, like, for Perez and for all the, the Glazers and uh, the, the, all the high-up men in the Super League, you want to convince the fans, you want to convince the players, you want to convince the manager this is the right project. Like to not give them warning and then to come out with quotes like um, revenue and profits are the utmost importance within this competition. The well-being of the game is a secondary importance. Like things like that just don't fill me with hope. And even if I wasn't um, completely convinced by it, I'd I, like even if I was, like, I'd still want to think that the game is like the number one priority rather than money so they effectively shot themselves in the foot there was just saying it was on money but um Eduardo I've seen you've been you've been covering this as well but there's been the Arsenal fan forum this evening um and there's been some I think I think it's safe to say that um well uh Josh Cronch Josh Cronky featured uh Vinay was on there as well and I think it's safe to say that um they came under fire quite a lot um I haven't actually um, kept up with this yet, so whatever you're about to tell me, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna just get the first visceral reaction. Yeah, no, of course. So, just kind of the quotes are really quite damning because fans come and hit them with. Um, I mean, there was quite a few interesting things to say. So to start off with, an interesting quote was, um, 
are there going to be any fees from Arsenal putting out of the ESL? And are Cronky Sports and Entertainment going to cover them? And uh, Josh Cronky said to confirm uh, KSE are going to be covering all outside costs related to the ESL. And then Vinay said this is nowhere near the £8 million uh, reported. Um, so, I mean, I mean, fair enough. But there again, you'd expect that, even though that would be the bare minimum, kind of, I'd say. I don't know. With with the Cronkies, you can expect you you wouldn't expect anything. Cronkie used Arsenal to pay off some interest on one of his loans he took out or something. He used us as a make weight to um, build the LA Ram Stadium, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. but um, yes. And then there were some questions on about uh, the self sustainability of the club. Um, Josh Cronkie said um, he he was asked. He said self sustainability is not working. How will you be investing? And if not, when will you be selling Arsenal? And he said. Uh, we have plans to invest. We have plans. We want to be great again. But a long-term model does not support long-term high investment. No intention of selling. So, I mean, there's there's going to be a protest down at the Emirates on uh, at the time of recording. That's tomorrow. So on Friday, um, there's going to be a protest. Eduardo, are you, are you going to be supporting this protest? Do, do you agree with it? Absolutely, I do. I've been thinking about it. And I think... What Kronke said today was like even more condemning and I think we should even do it more now because nobody guarantees you that it's actually 8 million. It could be more. He never said it's less than 8 million. So, and if you if you analyze properly, Arsenal are a self-sustainable team who throughout the years have not spent a penny from the owner. And look, what would the owner say if they have to pay this, this penalty fee for leaving. And then in the summer, they tell us, oh, you're a self-sustainable team. The situation's bad in the world. So we can't spend. So we're going to be stuck in the same process. We're going to be stuck with the same players. And when are we going to compete? For me, that's the most important thing. If, if With Kronke, we haven't competed in decades now, more than a decade. Nothing guarantees you that he's going to do something now. And even, even in, in the Super League, it wouldn't have guaranteed anything. So... I think, in my opinion, we have to get him out because nobody guarantees us as well that the next summer is going to be good. But at least we're going to have a chance to be better. Do you, do you think, just quickly, on um, on the Cronkies, that because Arsenal are a failing business, that if they're not, if they have no intention of selling, then the only logical explanation is that they have an intention of putting more money into the club to try and raise their profits? Because obviously, as you say, it's been a bad year not just for Arsenal, for everyone in the football world and much you know, further on than just football. But the Cronkies are still at, what, 11 billion or whatever it is, net worth? Do you think they'll invest, say, you know, 100 million of it? And, you know, there were rumours that they paid for parties' release clause or helped pay for parties' release clause. Do you think they'll invest more because Arsenal are doing so badly if they're not going to sell? Well, we have to hope it's that way because if not, we're going to be doomed. So... We don't have much much to ask for, in my opinion. We, we're we just, in this moment in time, we're tied in hands. So the only thing we can do is riot against to get him out. But what if he doesn't? He doesn't have to do it because we riot. So it's a, it's a very complex situation. And I think we have to be positive. We have to be hopeful because it's not looking good. This last decade hasn't looked good. For me, Arsenal are one of the biggest clubs in the world. And even with self-sustainability, you have to be spending more than what we have been. Because the amount we create, we have the most expensive season ticket in the whole of Europe. So where's all that money going? 
per match day, we make millions and millions. So you can't tell me in 2015, we only had money to sign Czech because that year we could have competed. But, but, but to be fair as well, in the self-sustainment, don't you think it's just as much about signing the right players? Because, I mean, we've spent a lot of money historically badly. I mean, the Mustafi deal automatically springs to mind. But £60 million pounds on Socrates when he was just a bad fit for, a, you know, trying to play out from the back and then bringing Lichsteiner on a free didn't really work. But, I mean, the wages that we're paying for the likes of Lichsteiner, Kalazanac, when he came in, obviously the Ozil contract is up in the air about whether it was good at the time or bad at the time. Obviously, with hindsight, you can say it was a terrible deal. But, you know, at the time, I think if you'd ask most Arsenal fans, with Ozil and Sanchez in that position, they would have re-signed Ozil. Um, do you think it's as much about reallocating the funds we have to spend them more wisely and maybe investing? I mean, we got we got rid of our entire scouting team, didn't we, uh, in the summer, which which worried me more perhaps than uh, not spending because that means we'd, we're probably likely to spend not as well as we should be doing when we're on a budget that we're on. You're right, but you have to. Have, you also have to consider that the people that are making the decisions are assigned by Kroenke. So if he, he's not able to put from his own pocket and he's not able to choose the right people to use the money we create, he's still responsible. So I think that's the key. And look, bringing Edu, a guy from South America, previous, wouldn't say legend, but pre- previous Arsenal player with almost no experience at the European level, and you're bringing Arteta, who's a manager with no experience as well. So what, what do you expect? You can't expect results out of that. That's a huge risk. And even though they, they both have done their thing, you can't, as an owner, put your business ran by rookies. So for me, that's a key point. It's a massive, it's a massive summer for Arsenal. Whatever happens, it is. I think exactly. Whatever way. Talking time for... This is the summer where we can properly judge Edu, I believe. I think the whole, what the team like the at board level. I think this is where we'll be able to sit back and judge them properly. Um, in the fan forums as well, um, Josh Conti commented on uh, the Arsenal team and said we will rebuild, and we believe we are fit to go forwards with Arsenal. So he's just kind of confirming there that he's got long-term ambitions with the club. I mean, that's I guess that's what he has to say. Um, but I think this summer, no matter what happens with the Cronkies, it's going to be massive for Arsenal Football Club as far as we've got a lot of players that need to leave, as in we've got the likes of... We've got certain loan deals of players that have gone out that need to be turned into permanent. I believe, was Kolasinac or Mustafi's? Which one was a loan? Kolasinac. So that one needs to be finalised. Well, the Schalke have just been relegated, so I don't know if that's going to happen. So, and we're going to have to pray that some Bundesliga team takes a chance. We've got a lot of other players that need to um, be shifted out of the club. We've got players that need to buy new contracts, and we've got positions like left back, centre midfield, attacking midfield, striker um, that we need to strengthen in the summer. Eduardo, what would you say is like the most important of all those positions to strengthen in the summer? For me, it's left wing. For me, it's left wing. I don't think we need a centre forward if we're keeping Aubameyang, Balogun, Martinelli and the likes because I think that left-hand side has to be taken up by a proper world-class left winger that will change the, the whole dynamic of the, of, the, of the team and the system because playing Aubameyang there and even playing Martinelli 
who I don't think is a true left winger. For me, it doesn't work. You can, you can play the um the fan favorite Willian there. We we have a joke on the podcast that Willian's one of our favorite players, but <laughs> I th- I think that's just another disastrous signing for um. For me, look, a lot of people say I love transfers and I would sign 50 players if it were for me. But one of the players that I've opposed throughout my time on Twitter, it's been Willian. Because you can't sign a 33-year-old from Chelsea who's dusted for, for, for what? For him to take wages? Because he hasn't even been playing. So one of the worst signings in the last years. But, but I think I think for, for Eddie, to give him his credit, uh, his signings have been more hit than misses. I mean, you look at obviously Martinelli when he came in from South America um, and then Pablo Mari who came in has been very very good um, a lot better than I think a lot of Arsenal fans expected for the price he came in and also that he was playing in was it Flamengo he was playing? Flamengo yeah. yeah so I mean and then obviously Party is Party is world class and Gabriel's been pretty good so I mean the signings that we have made although we haven't made a lot of them they have been slowly strengthening the team it's just how quickly the rest of the team sort of weakens around i suppose we've got a very exciting i think we've got a very exciting front front four potential we've got that well balogun who looks like fingers crossed he'll have a a new contract announcement soon um we've got martinelli smith rowan saka and obviously martinelli we'll, we'll wait and see with his development as to if he is transformed into a central center forward or if he plays on that left but we've got a lot of very exciting young players but if if so if you have to if you have to choose a left winger just for the sake of it, if you, so you say a world class left winger, Eduardo, you've got you've got unlimited well within reason an Arsenal budget. Who who would you say is the ideal left winger for? I know, I know who it'll be. All right, uh, you, you all know who it is, and I think it, it's only possible with Champions League football. But I think if we do get the Champions League football, for me it's Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish, okay. Yeah, I th- no, I I think as well, but you've got to. I think it's a dream, but you, you, you'll be talking in excess of maybe 90, 100 million, maybe. I mean, I, I've heard from the people that I talked to that Villa would be willing to part ways for 80 million pounds. Okay. But yeah, like you said, we've checked. Without it, checked still, it still would be the record signing. So, yeah. And our last, our last one's still a work in progress. So, I mean, um... <laughs> yeah, but I think Grealish, I think he, for me, I mean, if you watch the Premier League, he he's a. Certified hit if you if you buy him he he won't flop. I oh, know I agree with that I agree with that even the likes of Bakayo Saka when he said that he's he's gone on England duty he's like what player stands out to you the most he's like Jack Grealish all the time like he he he's just the, I mean look he's twenty five he plays the position we need the most he's a leader he fights for the team I mean I don't know if it, if it, if his love for Villa will keep him there for his whole career. Because it could be a, it could be something to consider. So, but I think the whole thing, the fact that he's homegrown as well, would benefit us in our homegrown quota. So I think it's the perfect signing if we get Champions League football. Yeah. If not, we're gonna have to look for a tier below. He's got he's got a soft spot for Arsenal because I don't know if you remember. I think two seasons ago we played them in the Premier League. We won three two, and he put on his Instagram story like, "Oh, my favorite place to play in the Premier League." I picked yep. up the Emirates, and I think. It would definitely be interesting to see. Um, For me, again, this it also depends. It also depends if Villa don't make the the Europa League or anything. Yeah. I think it's more than more than probable that he leaves. Yeah, no, no, that is very true. But um, Jack Grealish at the carpet. I I think everyone would love to see that. Do you think that signing a left wing is more important than uh, signing a 
well, I suppose Erdogan on a permanent if it was going to be an attacking midfielder, but uh, another attacking midfielder, especially with, you know, Smith Rowe can play on the left. He's, you know, he's not bad on the left. Um, and he's, he does have a, ten- he did have a tendency when he was younger, especially to get injured quite a lot. Um, I know he had a lot of growing pains and then uh, I think he had an injury at Huddersfield um, and obviously the one at Leipzig that stopped him playing. So he is, he does have a history of being injured and whether that continues is another matter, but we did see how bad Arsenal were without sort of a creative midfielder for the first half of the season. The thing is that Jack Grealish is not only a left winger, he's a creative midfielder as well. So he can provide everything you want from the left-hand side. So if you play Emil or Bukayo in the middle and then Pepe or someone else on the right, you're still going to have everything you need creative-wise. And I think that's the most important thing. I think Odegaard, as good as he is creating, he lacks other aspects that Grealish, that Grealish has. I would I would have personally really loved to have seen... I, I think we've missed a boat on this now. And I'm not going to say Drexler. <laughs> I, I would have really personally loved to have seen um, Wilfred Zaha maybe three seasons ago. When we signed Pepe, if we'd signed Zaha, I think that would have been a, like yeah. a perfect kind of role in that in in that time it would have made sense. But um, yeah, the, the... we're probably more likely to see someone like Julian Brandt uh, this summer. Yeah, Just yeah. you know, as you say, Eduardo, a tier, a tier below is probably where we will be aiming because eighty million in a pandemic for Arsenal doesn't sound like to me. That sounds like it's a it's a bit of a pipe dream, but Julian Brandt with Dortmund missing out entirely on Champions League football, um, well, looking like they will with what six games left to go in the Bundesliga, um, they'll be looking to sell, and they'll obviously sell one of their big ticket items. You think like Haaland or Sancho, but Brandt has been out of favour there. Bellingham's coming through in that midfield position. It's one of those that could be done for probably not a lot of money, probably you know twenty twenty five million. Definitely so, but we you have to consider we still have some valuable assets that we can sell because we, we have to sell Torreira, we have to sell Guendouzi, we have to sell Lacazette. In my opinion, Lacazette has to be. It's something that some people don't agree with, but I think so. I mean, we we're gonna have to we're gonna have to sign a central midfielder as well because Ceballos is gonna be out too. We're gonna be left with Granit Xhaka, Partey, and Onenide. Nothing else. We can sell AC Milan Niles as well, so that's going to be more money. It's better rate as well. If we can sell effectively, though, isn't it? Because it is, it is a market where the buyer is going to reign supreme. And we've we tried last summer to sell a lot of these players and ended up loaning them out. Um, obviously, with Mavropanos coming back as well, there's a decision to be made there, as you know, on top of the players you've mentioned. But Torreira, for example, is there's there's been all this fuss about him wanting to go back to Boca. Um, and Boca aren't going to be able to afford the sort of 20 million that Arsenal probably want for him. Absolutely not. We're going to have to hope that he changes his mind if he wants to go to Italy or something like that, because then we're, we're dusted in that situation. We touched on it earlier, but um, do you think Guendouzi has a future at Arsenal? Well, look, it's going to be, we're going to have to see. It's all, this whole thing is between his relationship with Arteta, and that's the bottom line. If they can fix it, I think he can have a role. To for me, I'd rather have Guendouzi than Elneny. But if that can be fixed, you have to make as much profit as you can and sign someone else. I think he, I think Guendouzi has a lot of growing up to do. Like, obviously, we we don't know everything that goes on, and but just from the sounds of th- certain things you hear, and he seems to have a, an attitude issue that 
hasn't only been highlighted at Arsenal, but also when in his um, his loan spell at Hertha Berlin. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in the summer. Um, but no, you're right. We do have some uh, sellable assets. Nicola Pepe as well is another another uh, conundrum that some people have been saying: Do we sell him? Do we do we keep him? What's your kind of take on that? What do you reckon with Pepe? Well, it's it's an interesting thing. For me, he's such a big investment that in the end, you're going to have to pray. He comes good one day, but if he doesn't, you're going to have to sell for as, for as much as you can. Because recently as well, to be fair to him, I, th- I don't think he's played badly this second half of the season. No, he's played well, but that's not what you expect from an 80 million pound player. He's not played, he's played like maybe a 40 million pound player, like he's played right to that level, but. What was it? Seventy-two million. It was seventy-two. Yeah. So there's, there's not there's not a place for him. I don't think in Arsenal's side um, when it's at its strongest. Unless unless you move Bakayo Saka to the left, I think. I always start. Um, for Pepe. I always start for Pepe. I was like, he's going to come good. He's going to come good. But what changed it for me was the second Bakayo Saka came into that side, and he showed everyone what he can do. I went, oh, come on now, like you, you know, you know what I mean, like Pepe is not even playing anywhere near to the level Saka. And, like, it was that kind of, like, raw pace and just, like, no fear. And I think since Saka's stepped up and all these other young players have come back in, I think Pepe has, I think, like, in the FA Cup final, he had a good performance. And in the run-up to the final, and in the Europa League this season, he's been very good. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But Europa League aside, we do seem to be putting all our eggs in that basket. We have a Premier League game to play tomorrow against Everton. Um, I, I mean, it just it doesn't even feel like the Premier League games. They don't even feel like getting excited for anymore, do they? Like it's it's just a uh, we, we're not playing for anything. I mean, what we could potentially was it go ahead or level with Everton? If go we, level with Everton, yeah, but they'll still have a game in hand. So it's yeah, well, yeah, but it's it's just trying to avoid injuries, which unfortunately we couldn't avoid against Fulham with Lacazette going off injured. But we've got quite a big with the Everton game. I guess one of the main talking points is Lacazette's out, Aubameyang's out. Is this now a chance for Balogun to come in, or Martinelli, or do you think Arteta will go with Nketiah? For me, I think we should go with Martinelli because he's been playing lately up top. But I think the second option has to be Balogun and the third option has to be Nketiah. Yeah, I we, think. I agree. We I think Arteta will go with Nketiah. We were saying on the podcast um, in the game. Did you did you watch the Fulham game, Eduardo? I did. I watch every game. Keep <laughs> impressive, to be fair. Um, I, we we just couldn't believe the fact that Inketia scored and like, yeah, fair play to him. But then he went like that to an empty stadium. <laughs> I mean, just like wh- why? <laughs> but I, I think he's, uh, he's probably going to move on. Eddie's probably going to move on in the summer. But um, sorry, yeah, the Everton game. Um, what, what? How are you kind of, Ben? How are you kind of feeling about the Everton game? Do you think that it's um. Oh, what what a question! Um, the short answer is I don't really care. Um, it's it's all about next Thursday, isn't it? Um, and as you say, injuries yeah. going to be an issue potentially um, with the number of games we've been playing. It's nice to have a week off, but um, the number of games we've been playing recently, you know, everyone's going to be fatigued. Um, we need to keep Barty fit because we're a different side when he's in the team. So I don't know whether I'd risk him playing. Um, it's 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 another one as well. It's it's a very difficult selection, I think, for Arteta because a lot of it is going to be, I think, which players can I put in the team and sort of put in the shop window almost. So Enketi is probably one. Um, 
I think Reese Nelson hasn't enough minutes for me. Um, I don't think he'll play. I think he'll probably be on the bench again. But I would like to see him get more minutes um, from obviously as he's stuck behind Saka and Pepe. So you'll probably see Pepe play. And even uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Reese Nelson's been unlucky. He's, he's looked good this season. Like in the Europa League games he played, he's, he's just been so unlucky with injuries and he starts to put a couple games together and then he just gets injured. But he, he's That's a story of his personal career as well. It's not only this season. Last season he got injured as well and it goes like that. So I think he's one of those players that with he's on the similar kind of level to Willock and Maitland Niles as far as I think he needs a loan spell to properly I mean he had that season in Hoffenheim and it seemed to do him a lot of good and he played he scored some good goals out there, but with Nelson now I think he needs a Premier League level loan. And I would have liked to have seen him and Nketiah maybe go out on loan at the same time Nelson uh, at the same time, sorry, Willock and Maitland Niles did, but it's just another one we're going to have to wait and see what happens. I think I think I quite like the idea of Nelson on the left going forward, um, just because of the. I think he has a lot of qualities that Mikel Arteta likes from that sort of position, not least because he can you know cut inside on his right foot, which is useful when you've got Tierney overlapping. Um, you know he's quick, he's pretty good on the ball. Although last season he did spend an awful lot of time falling over his own feet. Um, <laughs> I, li- I like. I like to think that Mikel Arteta is working with him behind the scenes and that he's going to make a Phil Foden level, like, you know, entry. But realistically, you know, he's probably one of those players that we want to be getting some games out of, maybe loaning out and getting his value up so that we could potentially sell him. Because, you know, it all comes back to that factory RSL sustainable club, aren't we? So we've got to try and make the value where we can. You are very right, everybody, when you say we've got some sellable assets. That's something we've just we've made so many mistakes over the years of letting our best players go out for free or next to nothing like you've got Alexis Sanchez you've got Aaron Ramsey more recently like do, do, you, do you think we will sell a lot of these players in the summer I think so personally I think I saw a report today that Joe Willock wanted to stay in Newcastle so you're going to have to pay so true, true. you're going to have to hmm? Like I think play. I think I think he's a good player, but if they offer you 25 million, I think you can't refute the situation. The situation you're in, and if you want to improve other areas, I think they're getting to that age like 21, 22. Maitland Niles, Willock, Nelson, and Ketia. Where in Ketia, like he's he can't be playing like you can't have a 22 year old or playing for this like at this level just for our cup games and. England yeah. one level. You, you need to really be kicking on at that age. So we've got. In the of- end, you have to consider that the academy is not actually made for for us to get world class players every year. It's actually to make profit from players you create through through the process. Very just, I just I just can't see the money in the market for these deals to all go through. You know, we're we're looking at trying to sell 10, 11 players, maybe especially. And you know, you're looking at Willock. Maitland Niles. I mean, we turned down 25 million for Maitland Niles from Wolves last summer. Um, and it's well, his value probably hasn't increased. He probably hasn't decreased that much either because he's playing quite well at West Brom. And then you're looking at sort of who's gonna take a punt on a player who's played right wing back in central midfield but wants to play central midfield for you know 20 million. West Brom probably aren't because they're well, they probably down, aren't they? Um, so it's it's it's, it's a difficult one, I think, to Although in an ideal world we'd sell all these players, I just can't see where we'd find good value in this market in terms of selling. No, very true. Um, 
we have got, like you said, it's all about the Europa League this season. We have, like we've done in previous years, put all our eggs in the Europa League basket. And we, we come up to face an old foe. We seem to have come up against a lot of old foes this season. But first, well, Olympiakos was a, a mental hurdle. And I do believe this one will be a mental hurdle as well. But we face Unai Emery and uh, his Villarreal side in the, um, the Europa League. Um, we've got them away first. Am I, am, I, is that, am I correct in saying that? We've got them away first? Or we do. Okay. Yeah, we, well, we, pl- we play next Thursday um, against Unai Emery's Villarreal. Eduardo, do you think this is more of a mental hurdle than an actual like, physical hurdle? Definitely so. I don't think we should have a hurdle, but I think we, we should roll past them. It's not Villarreal are a very inconsistent team, kind of like us, but we have the player quality over them. So I think we should be going ahead. And if we don't, I think that's a cyclable offense for, for Miko. Do you th- we, we can beat do you, th- do you think we can beat them? Like, Definitely I- so. I think we can beat them in both legs if we want to. Hmm. No, I agree. We need to, whatever happens, we need to go out there comfortably and the way we dispatched of um, Slavia Prague, we we just turned we just turned it on and we just scored some beautiful goals, especially the Saka one. It's just like we know what we can do, and it's just it's just that getting over it and playing certain players just not being good enough, unfortunately. But but Ben, how are you kind of feeling about this one? I don't know. Um, not as confident as as Eduardo must be said. Um, I think that. As, as you say, Villarreal are like us, a very inconsistent team. And I think the most worrying thing about this fixture is that it's two teams that have the ability to be brilliant on their night and really inconsistent on other nights. And you basically have a 50-50 about which one's going to turn up. Um, they've got a very, you know, they've got some very good players. Gerard Moreno's in brilliant form. Um, he's obviously the one we've got to keep quiet. But also they're just, there's something about that fixture that that worries me. I think not just because it's a European semi-final, but because of all the narrative that builds up to it and the the fact that, you know, Lacazette's probably out of it. Um, Aubameyang might not be back for it. You know, it's a, it's a case of we've got quite a threadbare squad at the moment. And when you're looking at your striking positions, particularly you've got, as we've already mentioned, Nketiah, Balogun and Martinelli, and none of them have particular experience playing through the middle, especially not on this sort of night. Are we our own worst enemies in this aspect? Oh, 100%. I've, I've, been, I've been saying since we drew um, since we drew Benfica, we've got to beat the team in front of us and ourselves every game. That's the problem. The only way always, isn't it? We are. We, we just make such a meal of it and then we, we, can't, we can't look into it too much, but Manchester United in the final? <laughs> It'll be nice to lose Imagine losing that game, man. But imagine winning it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's do or die. If we win, it's gonna be. We can't have to do it over again. We're gonna have to. True, yeah. True, truth is, we we shouldn't even be giving them a sniff in that final because this is a game where we we need we need to win it. We're three games from the Champions League. Manchester United are in it next season. We we've got so much incentive to beat them, and I think. I, we we have that we have the same as Baku, I know, but I think <laughs> the players that suffered through Baku have to take a lot of 
lessons about what went wrong in Baku, not least because we set up terribly. Um, and, you know, there was all the narrative about Eden Hazard's last game. Um, and the whole Maurizio Sarri and, what was it, I think the two Chelsea players having the fight before the final. Yeah, and Kante being injured. There was so much that was going on in that game. I think it almost detracted from the game and it became a sort of, in a weird way, we became the favourites because of everything that was going on with Chelsea and that we're, we're terrible at being the favourites. We just don't think it would happen again. I don't think it would happen again if, but if we we don't don't get it wrong. There's a big if. We still have a very tough couple of games to get past Villarreal. But if we get to that final, I don't think Baku like situation would happen again. I, I do I do believe we'd be much more mentally prepared, and I think we're much better off with players as well. We've got players we can rely on. Like hopefully Kieran Tierney will be back and fit for for that game should we get there. Hopefully, Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka will be able to re-establish that midfield partnership. Um, and then hopefully, one of Lacazette and Aubameyang or both will be fit for this tie. Um, That's a lot of hopefullys. <laughs> it is a lot of hopefullys. Um, but we do, I think we're, we're much better off, especially with, as well, the, the centre-back situation with, um, I think, Gabriel is much more of a solid centre-back and you've got one of Holding or Pablo Mario to have next to him, which are, I think we can depend on, would you agree with me saying we can depend on them much more than, well, Mustafi and Koscielny and... I don't, I, I don't even know what to think about this Arsenal side anymore. Every time I think something, they prove me wrong. And every time I think, you know, we might be turning a corner, we're back to square one again. So it's, it's, it's been an odd season for the Premier League. It's been an odd season for Arsenal. It's been, you know an odd couple of days for the European Super League. Um, it's just, I, I'm looking forward to the season ending, hopefully with the silverware, but just in general, I'm looking forward to getting, it feels it feels like it, as an Arsenal fan, it's been a, a lot of a slog this season. Um, you know, there have been times when you sort of just, you're like, oh, have we really got to play again in three days? I don't, I can't, I don't think I can bring myself to watch that again. Well, just to, we, no, we, we, we haven't, we haven't, Acknowledge this, but I think the presence of David Luiz in that final would be very crucial. If well, he was brilliant against um, Manchester City in the last season in the semi-final, wasn't he? Yeah, um, he was. And against, we well, got man of the match against Manchester United earlier in the season as well. Um, in the big games, he's great. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, he's <laughs> he's he's much, his his ceiling is much higher than Mustafi's, but he's equally you know capable of one of those moments where you just think, why? Why have you done exactly. that? But uh, if you recall his his final history, the one against Bayern in 2011, he was, I think, the best player after maybe Drogba and such, but he was brilliant. So I think we need him there and he, he can lead us to glory. Hopefully. we Fingers crossed. We, we, we hope and pray. But um, just, just a couple of things to kind of finish on. Um, just a little, little game, kind of. Eduardo, if you can... So you're, you're Edu... And you can sign three players this summer. Um, you can sign a left winger, an attacking midfielder, and a left back. Who are those, who, who are those three players you're signing realistically? Oh, and a left back. Interesting. I was thinking more of a right back, but if that's the case, I think left wing, Grealish, of course, if we can. If not, we're going to have to rub a deer, as I said, for the attacking midfielder role. Okay, actually, uh, let's, let's change it. Sorry, let's say. Left winger, attacking midfielder, and right back. Sorry, let's let's do that. Sorry. 
Go ahead. So for the attacking midfielder, I would speak to Real Madrid to see if they are open to selling Odegaard. Okay. And if for the right back, I think we're not going to be able to afford a gimme if we want to sign the other two. So Emerson Royal from Betis. Okay. Mm. Is he is he still on loan from Barcelona? I or think he, he Barcelona have some type of percentage that they can buy him back for a lower fee, but he's part, he's a Betis player. Uh, gotcha. Like similar with the Regulon deal for Tottenham. Exactly. Okay. Okay. And Ben, Ben, if you've got to sign a, a left winger, an attacking midfielder, and a, a right back, who are you going for? I mean, I think I think Odegaard picks himself, doesn't he? Twenty three. Uh, been on the scene for seven years. Been brilliant since he's come in. Um, really, really good in the press as well. I think is yeah. very much. I think it's very much underrated by a lot of Arsenal fans, and I think Arteta loves it. You know, he's leading the press. If you watch the. Um, it was the open mic against West Ham. You could see him directing Lacazette all the time, you know, where to go. Captain um, as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's the captain of Norway at 23. Um, he'd be a brilliant signing and set us up really well for the next few years. You know, as if if we are going to, you know, trust the process, then you have to, there has to be some evidence to suggest the process is going to be a process and assigning players that sort of fit that 23 to 27 age, age bracket is probably the best way to do that. Um left wing in in an ideal world I would sign Jack Grealish but I think for the for money I think it would just be a bit tight I mean you can look at loaning Erdegaard again I suppose that might be something that's possible um especially if no one comes in from you know with big bids but I think if you if you're going to prioritize I think I'd probably prioritize Erdegaard and then move to left wing I think Martinelli could do a job there if necessary for a season I think you know Smith Rowe can play there. I don't really know. I haven't actually given left wing any thought. Um, right back, I'd go for. I, I, I talk about. I talked to Leipzig about Nordi Michieli. Um, I think he's very he's very good and can play on the right side of a back three as well, which is quite useful uh, if you ever need to transition into that again. <laughs> um, obviously, Lamptey's the one that everybody likes the look of, um, and he's homegrown, which helps. Very young player. He came through Chelsea's academy, I believe. And came through Chelsea's academy and was sold to Brighton for like three million. Mm. Um, he's very I, so quick. He's rapid. I, but I, I don't know. He's he he had a knee injury. I don't know if he's back yet. Um, Not yet. With as we saw with Bella, and they can sort of affect careers. So I'd be holding off on Lamptey for the moment. Um, there's an, there's the other name that I wanted that Torres ACL as well, James Justin from Leicester. Mm. Okay. He looked very good when he was playing. Yeah, he was he was in with an outside shout for the England squad. I think one for yeah. one for me that I think you haven't mentioned yet that um, goes under the radar a little bit is Max Ahrens from Norwich. I think he's just uh, well, Norwich will be coming back up next season, but he he's a player that he was touted that Bayern Munich might be interested. Um, Arsenal were, have they haven't really been spoken about much, but I think he he'd be a good signing as well. But um, we've seen Fabrizio Romano confirm it. Bellerin will be leaving the club. Um, come the summer, and I think it's been it's been in the works for a while, hasn't it? It's um, unfortunately not ended the way we, we as Arsenal fans would like to see it for Hector. It might, it might still, it might end with him lifting the Europa League. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we hope so. Um, but um, I think I think I can speak on it on behalf of every Arsenal fan when we we can all say Bellerin is a we 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 do have a lot of respect for him, and he's been a brilliant servant to the club, and his attitude has never been an issue, and he's always been. Um, a, f- a fan favourite in a way, especially some some the way he's come through. Well, we we signed him from Barcelona at a very young age, and 
he came through from the 23s to the first team and burst onto the scene quite literally. Um, but yeah, just kind of going to, we'd love to see better in lifting the Europa League trophy. Um, and hopefully against Manchester United, it would just be a beautiful sight. Um, United standing Goldbridge in the mud would just be something I'd love to see. Um, but um, Everton on Friday, we're going to do the beforehand. score predictions. Eduardo, can you score prediction for Everton? Hmm. 2-1 Arsenal. I can't, I, can't, I can't say that my team's going to lose, so 2-1. Ben? 1-1. 2-2. Mm. Two, two, two. <laughs> I, I think the points will be shared. Um, Everton are pretty good away from home. We're pretty bad at home. Um, I think that Calvert-Lewin being back for them is a big plus. I think... I think we might see Pablo Mari play instead of Gabriel, just for the just for the physicality, because you know obviously Cavalier is brilliant in the air. Yeah. Um, but I think that there'll be goals to be had at the other end as well. Very, last season, I don't know if you remember last season's game. Cavalier scored no red kick in the first minute. So if we can if we can keep the ball out of the net early on, um, that would be a brilliant uh, brilliant plus. I'm gonna say I'm gonna agree with Eduardo. I'm gonna say two one. But I, I, I don't know how I feel about this one. I think Everton, are, they, they can be very good or they can be very bad. So we'll have to wait and see with that one. But um, we're going to wrap the podcast up there. Eduardo, thank you again very much for coming on. Uh, thank you for inviting me. We'll have to have you back on again another time. Um, ben, thank cheers you. as always. Um, Arsenal, Happy for, Arsenal for Everton on Friday. Um, there's going to be the protest before at six o'clock, I believe. Any Arsenal fan, if you feel you want Kroenke out, if you feel that uh, the board haven't haven't treated us right as Arsenal fans. Uh, get down at the Emirates, six o'clock, make your voices heard. Um, we'll be uh, tweeting out lots of content around that on our Twitter at Arsenal Gravel One. Eduardo, we'll leave your links all down in the description. Feel free to check him out um, if you haven't already. And uh, we will catch you again soon. Cheers for listening and see you in the next episode. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.